people you love, play five songs they love and tell you why. If I say Afrobeat, what's the first name that comes to mind? Fella Cootie. polyrhythmic prince who coined the term and pioneered a movement that would stretch its tentacles far beyond Nigeria and into the decades and genres that would follow. Afrobeat was a swarm of sounds, Western African highlife, American jazz and funk, and a big dose of black power. It came to life with Fela but continues through his sons and grandsons and through the rhythms of bands all over the globe. Fela's eldest son is Femi Kuti. As a child, he would watch and then play with his father. As an adult, he's carved his own path, continuing and expanding Afrobeat through 11 studio albums. His latest, he paired with his eldest son as he released his debut. And so Made and Femi continue the legacy Fella set out all those years ago. Afrobeat has directly and indirectly influenced so much of the music that I love. Across this Take 5, you'll hear the foundations from where it was born and incredible stories, the sweat and the passion that brought this movement to life. As Femi joined me from his family compound in Lagos, before we got into his legacy songs, I asked him how it felt to release his new album with his son Made's debut. It's the most beautiful feeling I've had since I've been playing, to see him be a man, to see him play all the instruments on his album, to see him... Um, finding his style immediately, not copying me, but he's, or, um, he immediately distinguishes himself. Um, so all this is very pleasurable. I, it's so hard to even describe the feeling. That idea of legacy as well is something that we're going to explore a lot today because you come from an incredibly rich musical history. You know, of course, your father, Fella, coined and created Afrobeat. You and other family members continue that legacy today. And I want to sort of explore that family tree of music within your own family and beyond as we take five with your legacy, those who have come before you and inspired you to create and this huge family of sounds uh, that feed into Afrobeat and the legacy that you will leave as well. You've picked some incredible songs, Femi. I love all of this music and I'm so itching to get to it. Uh, we're going to begin with an artist called E.T. Mensa, a Ghanaian musician who was known as the king of high life. Can you tell me about yes. why you chose E.T. Mensa and, and also that high life sound? When my father came back from England, high life was the in thing and he really loved high life, but he preferred the high High life from Ghana, Iti Mensa, and he used to go to Ghana to enjoy. He was a, he, he really loved Ghanaians because of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. So he was always in Ghana. Ghana was, um, you could even say his home more than Nigeria because he really loved Ghanaians and um, he just loved the Ghanaian culture. And so Iti Mensa was, he always talked about him. So I know that's why I picked him. And I'm sure. Um, he must have influenced him in one way or the other. My father did play the high life, so, and Iti Mensa was a big inspiration there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about what High Life is for anybody who doesn't know? How would you describe the High Life sound and the High Life scene? High Life is, um, I think it's more like Caribbean music that Africans develop into their own style of like um, African Caribbean sort of music and high life comes out of it. So it's very similar to, I think, um, maybe salsa. Or Calypso. It's very hard to describe, but I think there's a lot of sim- similarities from uh, South America and Brazil, probably Cuba. And um, so this is where High Life comes from. As a kid, did you go to High Life shows with your dad? Uh, no, I didn't go to High Life shows, but um, his early works were very similar to High Life. He tried to change the High Life from, so his High Life was like, in the middle of the Ghanaian high life and the Nigerian high life. So he kind of found his voice within these two high lives. So, I mean, I listened to all his works, but I did listen to a lot of high life growing up. I mean, because um, to find my own footing as well. The next song is by late Haruno Ishola. It's called Uruki Social Club. That song is such an epic. It is an album from 1973. I've never heard it before, Femi, and it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. Um, Can you tell me about that song and that artist? It's called Akbala. It's a mixture of deep traditional drums. And I know my father grew up Abelkuta, which is where he was born. And he, um, he grew up with all these folk songs. So this is the closest I could find of modern times, really, during my father's era. I know my father listened to him and I know he liked him. So and because of all the percussions and the big shekere, he used a lot of traditional drums for this sound. And um, my father advised me too that it was important to listen to a lot of traditional folk songs as well to help me with um, development musically. Bala 
was known for playing epic sets as well. He would play for hours on end. And, of course, Afrobeat is a music that your father and other Afrobeat um, pioneers uh, play for hours on end as well. Does that, having that kind of stamina, what, what, where do you learn that stamina and, and, and how do you get in the zone when you're committing to that kind of performance? Wow. <laughs> Uh, my father used to play from like uh, 1, 1 a.m. till 6 a.m. I used to play from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I think it's just dedication, really. Dedication, loving what you're doing and trying to wear yourself out to find new sound. So you 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 put all your energy and I think when you go to sleep, you are fresh again. So uh, it's... Uh, it's look. It's so hard to really describe that feeling. But um, my father used to play long sets as well. I played very long sets. I played very long sets because when we moved to the new shrine, it was very difficult to get people there, and it was in a remote area. Now it's the most important district in Lagos State because it has developed over twenty years. But at the beginning, it was like in a little forest and people were too scared. And after the first few shows, it was like nobody will come here anymore. So I had to develop a strategy to just like make people be amazed at the energy I was putting in every night. So I was playing four times a week and I would start about 11 p.m. till the next day, 11 a.m. But this was why I was doing these long sets. <laughs> so I did this for, for quite a while. But, My son used to wake up on Fridays and still see me on stage. Daddy, I'm going to school and see you when you get back. It's wild. <laughs> I for you. I want you to listen to me well. As I stand before you. I want you to hear me well. I mean, that's part of your legacy as well. You brought the, the shrine back. Do having a, a music venue that has been so hugely important to the, the heart of Afrobeat and being able to give it new life, um, how have you seen that change and, and not just the geography and the area that it's been in, but the way that the scene has changed from someone who runs the venue as well? Uh, to be honest, I don't run the venue. My elder sister runs the venue. She has one of the biggest festivals right now called Celebration, and she manages the place really. I'm only called upon when there is, I mean, people disrespect her because she's a woman and I let them know that it will not be tolerated in this family. Uh, and um, so, but she has been running the place for at least 15 years on her own. I did probably the first five years together with her. And now she gives me the opportunity to be the musician I want to be. So I spend more time practicing, rehearsing with my band, thinking of new compositions. So it's it's called division of labor. She does that. I do this. And we work like a team. Yes. And so, still keeping it all in the family, all in the cootie family. Yes. But she's, she's the eldest of um, our side of the family. So she's, um, um, she's very well respected by all of us. And she really tells us, I mean, when people talk about, um, um, people are talking about feminism and all that, it's very difficult for somebody like me to understand because women are, women take the lead in my family, my mother, my maternal great mother, my younger sister. I never do anything without my um, sister's advice or 
uh, and if they don't even agree with anything I'm, I want to do, I stop it because for some reason they always have, they're always right. <laughs> so I think women have this um, passionate um, understanding about issues where men can be too emotional and women are more objective. So I really take the advice and especially from my elder sister. We're talking a lot today about the legacy of, of your father and passing that legacy on yes. to your son, Made. But yeah, as you say, women have played a huge part in, in your life. What have they taught you about yeah. music and, and speaking your truth? My maternal grandmother was who brought me back to um, reality. Because when I, I used to stay with my father and everybody was just, oh, Felason, you are the greatest. And oh, you are the best thing that has happened to the face of this earth. I was so arrogant. And I mean, all the negative things you can think. So my when my father was locked up illegally by the Buhari regime at that time, I moved back to my mother. And my maternal grandmother was like, you don't bring that attitude here to this house. I don't care who... I mean, she used very foul language. Blah, 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 you are. I think she takes a huge percentage of what made me today. She brought me back to earth. She made me very humble. She made me a dedicated musician because I never used to practice. And she said, what kind of bloody musician are you? You never practice and blah. You, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> you know, I cried all night, but that was my saving grace. Everything she said was so true and it changed me completely. And I said to practice, I said to take my music very seriously, dropped all the arrogance, pompous, I was being pompous and all that. And that made Femi Kuti, really, that, that talk. It's your time to Time is on your side. You've got to live your life with pride. Young boy, young girl, it's your time. It's your time. In the shadow of your father's legacy, how did you create your own voice? I, you know, I really grew up listening. I really loved my father's music and it was it's embedded in me. The problem was, how would I find myself? So my father introduced me to jazz. The first song he told me to, I tried to listen to Charlie Parker and it was so bitter in my ears. I hated it. And I told him, I hate jazz. He says, well, if you want to learn, if you want to be a great composer, you're going to have to love jazz. So he introduced me to Moody's Mood for Love. I went to, my girlfriend um, invited me to America. So I used the opportunity to buy Moody's Mood for Love. But I bought Moody's Mood for Love by James Moody and Moody's Mood for Love by... George Benson, I prefer that one because that was more funky. So I took it back to my father, who got very angry. Did I tell you to? I said, Mood is Mood for Love. You think I don't know George Benson? I said, Mood is Mood for Love by James Moody. And 
I was, wow, I thought I was bringing something new to the home and I got quite upset. So I went back to listen to James Moody by Moody's, um, James Moody's Moody's Mood for Love. And I said, wow, not bad. Ah, not bad, not bad. And I said, whoa, not bad. It's kind of sweet. So I went back to Charlie Parker. And Charlie Parker was doing, I said, what? Are these human beings playing this? Wow. So I tried to play some of the tunes and it was impossible. I said, wow, I'll never be Charlie Parker or Dizzy Gillespie. Well, let me look for Femi Kuti. So I said to look for Femi Kuti. And it was the same mathematical um, theory, theory I had that I said, well, I'll never be Fela. I can be Femi. So I said to find my own path, slowly, surely, steadily. And this is where Femi came from. Jazz has played a part in your take five as well. The next choice you have is actually by Duke Ellington, the Duke. You've chosen one of his most famous songs, his signature song, really, Take the A Train. Why did you choose this song? I chose this song because my father used to play jazz and this was one of the favorite songs. He used to go to some pubs in Nigeria. There was a place called the Floating Booker. He used to play there. It was a jazz club, but it was on a boat. And then there was a place called the Jazz 38. His cousin, cousin Frances, and um, my husband, Tunde Kuboye, Uncle Tunde Kuboye, used to run that place. So he used to go to, to play. And this was one of the, my father always talked about this song. Um, he always loved this song, uh, Take the A Train. Every, it, was, it was a very popular song in Nigeria too, but it was from his time. And he loved Duke Ellington. He always talked about Duke Ellington. Uh, so that's why I chose that song. This song makes you feel like you're being swept up, you know, carried along. It's it's literally kind of, you know, you feel like you're in a train bobbing along. How does it make you feel when you hear it? I mean, it's very smooth. It's very smooth. You know, um, Duke wasn't one that you would play like fast, um, blah, 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 like a Charlie Parker. You just go like, Dang, and just that little chord or note was so significant in the whole in any of his compositions. So this is why I really like Duke myself. And um, I'm sure probably one of the reasons my father liked him as well. He was, but with his orchestra, wow, that big orchestra, wow, and well, he was incredible. This next song is Miles Davis and it's called Milestones. you choose it how does this fit into your legacy because miles davis had a great impact on my father he was i think probably miles davis was probably his favorite jazz composer or instrumentalist i don't know but he he was really crazy and he got to england 
found Miles Davis and tried to play because he was a trumpeter. My father started off playing the trumpet as it was, apart from the piano, he was majoring on the trumpet. He was a big fan of Miles Davis. So that's why I chose Miles, I just chose that song, but basically it's about Miles Davis himself. He was a great influence on my father. Growing up within Afrobeat and, and all of the experimentation that lives within those incredible sounds, did you see how your father was pushing the boundaries as he created and composed? Did you understand what his, you know, his experimentations as they were happening? Well, you know, we grew up listening to a lot of funk, the Beatles, um, anything the radios, anything that was a hit in Europe or England or America was a on our radio stations and going to school, we heard that. But my father's music was always, it sounded very different to me, probably because we were living the sound and the lyrics. And so I knew it was always unique. Um, I mean, I liked Michael Jackson, Temptation, Shalama, Stevie Wonder, name. We, I mean, we heard everybody, but we always had to come back to my father for whatever reason, and he always, his music always sounded special. So I knew his music would have, and did have then, a very special place in our hearts. So I saw him develop. I saw him develop from High Life, Kulalu Beatles. I saw him develop his first um, Afrobeat song, which was called My Lady's Frustration. BBC used to play this every morning and ah, dum, 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 bam, bam, ah, that was, oh, that song is so beautiful. And then his first hit called Jeon Koku, and this was on the 45 little LPs. I remember this song because this completely changed everything about my father. He became so huge. It was massive and he had hit after hit. So he did a couple of songs on this little, uh, this 45 inch LP. And then he moved into the seventies, mid seventies. And he said to play like 15 minute songs, Baby Shakara, um, Confusion. Confusion was a double album. First side was um, the instrumental and then the second sign was the song. When we talk say confusion, everything out of control. When everything out of control, you go be saying Papuka. We don't start to give you. We I mean I witnessed all the changes of my father. I mean till his final days, ODO was magnificent. Confusion, Breakbone, um, Coffin for Head of State. I mean, name it. I, I mean, I lived my father's compositions, yeah. basically. You also joined his band when you were a teenager and you went from watching him play to playing with him. Did he treat you differently as a as a band member to he did as a son? No. I mean, this was very clear. Everybody was uh, everybody was equal. And that's why I have a kind of different outtake because 
people had the same opportunities we had really. Some even had more. People that lived in this house really had more favor than we, his children who stayed with my mother. So we never got to see him like most people who are within 24 hours of the day. I saw my father give everybody their parts before I joined the band from Tony Allen, giving him the drum parts, he would like play it on the organ, like to do, pop, pop, to do, pop. And he will do this. My father used to always rehearse with the rhythm section. So the drums, the bass, the two guitars, the tenor guitar, rhythm guitar, and the sometimes the floor conga. Those ones just go kologi, kologi, or whichever rhythm. So we saw him, I saw him do this. And then when he's satisfied with that, he'll call the whole band, the horn sections. When he got on stage, he was very strict. It was like a completely changed person, except something really funny happened or he loved what he was doing. And then you see him just smile, this big smile, just say, ah, I got the right chords. I got the, ah, this is going to be a hit. You might see him have that kind of um, smile on his face and you know, and then he starts, I mean, if he feels the groove, oh, then you see him dance, he might start, he might even back everybody and just move into a kind of tunnel in his mind. I mean, I was watching him. I learned by just watching him. I mean, you see him just drift away from everybody, then come back in his mind and just say, wow. change the way that you led your band? What did you learn from him as a band leader yourself? My band has a bit more freedom than my father's band. Um, my elder sister always complains that I'm too lenient sometimes. <laughs> I didn't start off that. <laughs> I didn't start off like that. But uh, when I'm writing, because I write my songs at the shrine, I, I compose in public. I don't, I do everything in front of everybody. And I, it's like a painting, the way I compose. So I watch the audience. If I write something, and I don't feel the audience that they are feeling what I'm feeling, I might now start to change it, add more color, add more whatever to the rhythm or melody. Sometimes it's too complicated and I notice that the crowd are finding it difficult to groove with me. So I might simplify it. And then if I go very complicated, then I know what to do with the rhythm section to make it, to make them still dance. So. I'm somebody that has a lot of very complicated horn lines, but then I make the melody of the bass or rhythm guitar or the drums very funky or Afrobeatish, groovy, that ah, I get my people to nod. After my first major hit, uh, which was um, Wonder Wonder, I knew what to do with the audience. It was like you just have a key and that key just lets you into a whole new universe where you can just pick up the rhythms and sounds you want. And then you start to dictate to your audience where you're going and you take them on this journey of your musical life.
There's so much more I could talk to you about, but we're running out of time and we have one more song um, that we need to play. And it's an anthem from James Brown. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Why did you choose this song? Uh, because I think James Brown had a big influence on my father. I don't think they were uh, friendly competitors. I think James Brown was so huge and everybody was dancing to James Brown. And my father was like, wow. And everywhere, I mean, James Brown was everywhere. And my father had to find a sound to counter that sound to be relevant. And that's where Afrobeat came from. Uh, my father used to say there was an artist called Geraldo Pino who imitated James Brown to his clothes, everything, his dance steps. And he had the biggest PA system in Nigeria and he just outplayed my father everywhere. So I think <laughs> my father got really, not upset, but it challenged his creativity. And this is where Afrobeat was born. I think it was a healthy competition, but James Brown, I could say, was influential to my father developing the Afrobeat. Another person that is nobody talks about is his grandfather, because my father used to play all the hymns from, my great-grandfather was a big composer. He even composed them. His father composed the national anthem of, the, of where we come from, Adekuta City. So his father and grandfather were huge composers, and my father was a keyboardist of his high school and he used to play all those songs. So I think whether subconsciously or consciously, all the songs affected him. And my great-grandfather had a very deep, huge voice. I think my father inherited that from him. So I think all this is what brings basically the Afrobeats. And you continue that legacy, as does Made, as does your whole family. Um, what a joy. We're so grateful um, for bringing us so much joy for protesting injustice and treating us to some of the greatest music um, of the last century, really. Thank you so much for joining us today and taking five, Femi. It was a great pleasure. Thank you very much. And sending love to everybody and all those that have lost loved ones through the pandemic. Please accept our condolences. We are with you and we hope to get back on the road very soon. And hopefully our music will heal the world too. Ah! That was a conversation I could have had for a whole lot longer. It was truly an honour to do that Take 5. I hope you loved it too. This little pocket of time is such a gift. It reaches all corners of creative life. And next time, we're stepping into the comedy corner with two brilliant legends. Anne Edmonds and Lloyd Langford are Taking 5 with you. Take 5! The Take 5 with Dan Rowe. Every week, hear the people you love. Hi, I'm Joan Jett. Hey, this is Nana Cherry. And I'm taking five. Talk about the five songs they love. Hear stories of discovery. And I heard this thing coming out of the speakers. I was like, oh my God, what is that noise? Wow. And the songs that changed how they saw the world. It just affected me deeply. I never knew rap could be that powerful. Join Zan Rowe and Take 5. Life 101 with Kimber and Zan. Pull up a chair. (laughs) Subscribe now.